Joshua chapter 6. And last time, in the end of Joshua chapter 5, Joshua had been confronted by an angelic-looking creature that was holding out a sword. And he said, are you on our side? Are you for our enemies? And he actually says, no. Now, some people interpret this, that that, that, that angelic creature was not taking either, either side. Or some interpret it is that Joshua asked two questions. Are you for us or are you for our enemy? And when he answered no, that it was in, the implication was that he was saying no to the second part of that question. You may say that's, that's a silly way to respond. But actually the Urim and the Thummim, which you will see is used in many portions of the Old Testament for communication with God. In the Urim and the Thummim, it would give a pattern of lights for yes or no. That's why David would say, bring the ephod here, and they'd pray, and God would speak. God would only answer a yes or no question. And so when there are multiple questions, God would just be responding to the last one. And so then they'd have to re-ask again to to clarify it, And, and, and you'll see it in that context. But now this angelic creature then says, now take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground. Very much like what had happened to, to, uh, to Moses at the burning bush, which makes many theologians believe that that was a physical manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because nowhere else in the Old Testament do you see this type of thing for any angel. In fact, angels, when they fall before them, they'd, they'd pick them back up. they say, you, you know, you're, you're worshipping the wrong one here. And now this angelic creature, this angelic being, however you would like to take it, begins to instruct him on the attack on the city of Jericho. That's at the end of chapter 5. Remember, in the original text, there are no chapter divisions. There's no paragraphs, there's no chapter divisions, it's all one. So even though we ended at at the end of chapter 5, and we think that chapter 6 is starting a new thought, it is not. It's all one and the same. And so there's this, this introductory sentence, it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. When you look at this in the original text, which you can look at the literal translation of the text, it uses the word shut twice. So in other words, it was doubly shut. The doors were shut and it was shut closed. It was as secure as could possibly be. And why? Because it says, because of the sons of Israel, they know that the spies had come, the spies had gone, they had not caught the spies, and nobody was allowed out, nobody was allowed in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, so look in verse 2, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord, that, that little, that uh, uh, Lord in, in small capitals is, is uh, the translation of Jehovah, the name of God. So that angelic being is now one sentence later saying the Lord is instructing him. Again, this is why theologians feel that this was actually a physical manifestation of Jesus. He says, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Okay, so he says, he says, I've given Jericho into your hand. Look at that. I have given Jericho into your hand. It is not something because of their, their great 
the great warriors. That's not what it is. I have given Jericho into your hands. It is the Lord who can give us victory. It is the Lord who can give us success in the things that are before us. So many things are going to hit you in life. Lots of different things. Turmoil, death, disruption. It is the Lord who can give you success. It says the Lord has given this into your hand. Now, if the Lord is giving this into his hand, why doesn't just why don't the walls of Jericho just fall in on all the people in Jericho and God just kill them? I mean, he could certainly do that. He could just cause their hearts to stop beating instantly. You will see that throughout the scriptures, when the Lord does things, there is human participation within it. Just like with us, there's human participation. We can pray and the Lord may well give us something, may well give us a job, but it's up to us to work in that job. You still got to get up in the morning. You still got to put your pants on. You still got to go to work. You still got to deal with these issues. And, and he says, the Lord has given this into your hand, but it was the Lord who gave this. And it, with its king and all its valiant warriors, meaning that Jericho was ready to fight. All its valiant warriors are still in there. Now remember, they had been demoralized, as we had read before, because the, the, the Jordan River had dried up. And they're going to be demoralized again when they see what's going to happen around them. But they were cast out, as we talked about last time. There was a specific reason why this group and only this group of people in that territory was wiped out and wiped out totally. Never, never were they commanded outside of that territory to wipe out all the women and children as well. Never. Nor did, were they allowed to rape them. Nor they, they, and, and, and so the women and the children, they became servants to Israel outside the land. That part of the land was being judged for its wickedness as we had looked at last time. And its wickedness went so far as to offering up children to their gods. And, and uh, uh, the Lord said, you will become like them if you go and you live amongst them. And he, remember, we looked at verses last time, he waited 400 years for them to repent. And after 400 years of them not repenting, he says, finally their iniquity has reached to the levels where they will be cut off. And so this was a unique time, a unique instance where they were going to wipe out every man, woman, and child in that particular territory, which is a very small territory. Just, just this territory versus, versus you know, the entire earth. Every other land that they conquered, they weren't allowed to kill the women and the children. Nor were they allowed to rape the women. It wasn't for that. Nor were they allowed to do that sort of thing. It was really restricted upon them. He says, he says, uh, uh, he says you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling at once. Actually, what they're going to do is they're going to march around it 13 times. That's a good trivial pursuit question. How many times did the children of Israel march around Jericho before the walls fell? It is 13. It's not 7, and we'll see that here. He says, you shall circle it. You shall do so for six days. You shall circle it once for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. So, so, um, uh, so, so they're going to do this. For six days, it's going to be one time. And on the seventh day, it's going to be seven times. That's how we get 13 times total. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. 
and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. Now, if you look at the original context of this, it says that the walls fell down flat. Now, there's a lot of stone in those walls, and you can go and see that, those stones today. You can go see those stones. So they've been, the walls have been rebuilt, and they were knocked down and rebuilt. But you can see the stones today. When those walls fall, or typically a wall falls, there's still quite a stack of stuff there. It says that they're going to fall down flat, and the people will go straight ahead. So all the people surrounding the city, they're not going to have to wiggle around. They're going to go straight ahead. What theologians, as well as Jewish theologians, that have written about this, is that this was not a normal crashing down of walls, but actually that the ground opened up and, and the walls sunk in as it, went, as it started to crumble, because every man is going to go straight in. This is the way it was told would happen, and that's exactly what it says happened. Every man was able to go straight in, except that narrow section of the wall on which Rahab and her house was. So Joshua, in verse 6, So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark when they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you. Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. So the order is this. You have the first the armed guard, and then you have the priests blowing seven trumpets. These are ram's horns. These are not the, the, the uh, golden trumpets of the temple. These are ram's horns, the, the shofar, the very thing that they would blow on, on Jubilee. This was, a religious, this was going to be a religious battle. They're blowing the, the ram's horns. Behind them is the ark of God on which the presence of God with a blanket draped over it. And then carried by the Levites. And then beyond, behind the ark was more guards and then behind them, the rest of the people. Now, the, the area of Jericho is nine acres. So the whole city is nine acres. It's not like the city of Houston. It's just nine acres. So how would you walk around it? That's about equivalent to two and a half blocks. So imagine in this town going two and a half or three blocks, then turning left and going another three blocks and, and doing a square around it. How long would that take you? Fifteen minutes? 20 minutes maybe, something like that. Maybe if you had a big crowd of people with you, 30 minutes. Say you're about 100 meters from the wall because they would never go too close to the wall because, because things could be fired at them or thrown at them from the wall. So say they're 100 meters from the wall. So say you're, you're walking two and a half blocks and turning, but 100 meters out from that. It might take you 30 minutes to go around. But that's the amount of time. 
somewhere 20 to 30 minutes to, to, to encircle that city. Most cities were fairly small like that. Same with Jerusalem, fairly small. The exception was Babylon. Babylon, which was, which was the city that had conquered Jerusalem in about uh, uh, 650, uh, 650 BC, was 15 miles square with a huge wall around it. That was a very unusual city. Most cities, this is considered a big city, this Jericho, at, at nine acres in, in coverage. And so it, it says that, that uh, um, then on the seventh day, in verse 15, they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around that city, the city, seven times. So twice it says seven times. You'll see many sevens in this, the seven being the number of completion in the Bible. You say, well, why is this all this numeral stuff? In our culture, it's not a big deal. In their culture, it was a very big deal. And, and uh, uh, it's this number of completion. You know, you have seven priests, seven trumpets, seven times around. And, and, uh, um, and then he talks about what's under the ban. We'll, we'll, uh, under the ban, we'll do that next time. But then if you, if you skip on down to verse 21, they utterly destroyed... So, wait, let me, let me go uh, to verse, verse uh, 19. But all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and are, are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury. Verse 20. So the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. So how did they go up? Because the city's on a mount. It's a nine-acre mount. And so they go up into the city, but they're not going over the wall because the wall is now flat. The ground opens up. They go over that wall, go right over it, and the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there, as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. They also brought out all the relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it, only the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared, and she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So, you see that there was only one family spared. There was only one righteous family there. And they were spared. And so, it says that, that the people shouted and the wall fell down flat. Now, the New Testament gives us insight on this. So, I want to turn there for the remainder of this lesson. And that's in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11. And it mentions particularly this passage. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter on faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along those who were disobedient, after she had welcomed the spies in peace. 
So look at this. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. So there was an act. The act was walking around 13 times total, but seven times on that seventh day. Rahab, seven times on that seventh day, they circled it. So there was the act, there was the obedience of the blowing of the trumpets, there was the obedience of the loud shout. But it says, fundamentally, the reason that wall came down was faith. So this, is, this shows us that faith can cause something miraculous to happen. Something miraculous is something where the, the physical constants, the laws of thermodynamics are violated. All right? Here, the walls came down. Faith caused the laws of thermodynamics to be violated. This happens. This is a miracle. So does all faith bring miracles? The answer is no. Not all faith brings miracles. Sometimes faith brings more normal things where no physical laws are violated. Look in verse 31. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. No violation of the laws of thermodynamics there. You go to her house, you take her out, you walk her outside the camp of Israel, and no laws were violated. But what it did is it saved her life and the life of her family. Faith can sometimes bring miracles. Faith sometimes just brings things that are amazing to happen, but not a miracle in the sense of of a changing of the laws of thermodynamics. Even in the New Testament, so, so uh, uh, a, a time here of, of uh, maybe a thousand, twelve hundred years later, it says Rahab the harlot, still saying Rahab the prostitute. And now with our very politically correct society, you'd be like, where is the safe space here? You know, you're still referring to her twelve hundred years later as Rahab the prostitute. We know she ends up getting married, and she ends up the great-grandmother of King David. We know that from, from uh, uh, what, what the Old Testament tells us. And so that we, we, we know that, that uh, uh, and we know that from what the New Testament tells us uh, um, uh, as, as well when we look through the genealogies of Jesus. What's with this still referring to her as Rahab the harlot? Well, until your generation... People put little descriptors on people, and it was okay. And, and uh, when I was a kid, every kid had a descriptor on their name. Every kid did. Be- because, you, you know, there were certain qualities about an individual, and, and, and you'd, you'd call them that particular quality. You know, if you wore glasses, they would say, you know, the kid, they, they, would, they would say four eyes. They would say the kid with four eyes, and you'd know. And you'd say, oh, that's terrible. How could you say? I'm saying it was a different generation. It was a different generation. And everybody had a little descriptor that went along with them. And that is actually how you remember them. You know, I read this book called The Gentle Bar. Has anybody ever read that? All right, well, it, it's not a very godly book, but it's a very good book. I mean, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning book and a and, uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author. And I read it because my, my niece's boyfriend, I was talking to him, he read it, it meant something to him, so in order to be friends with him, I read the book, and it turned out to be a very good book, but what the, and, and this, this guy was trained at Yale, you know, he's talking about how he became a writer at the end of the book, he talks about this, but there's so many people in the book, but 
he gives them a descriptor. So I remember there was this rich kid at Yale and he, call, he called him Trust Fund. <laughs> and, and so you remember, oh, there's the Trust Fund kid. And you could, and, and so, you know, if you just called him Bob, I mean, you, you know, who is Bob? I mean, I just can't keep it straight. But as soon as you put a descriptor on somebody, you remember them. And then there was the, the, the Vietnam vet, you know, and so you had, you had different, there was the cop. You know, all these different people around. Everybody, instead of using their name, he used this descriptor. And you could keep track of everyone. Because names, names are totally illogical. You know, it's not like, 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 like uh, uh, somebody who's big has the name Bruno. I mean, it's, it's, every, people, people have names that, that, that don't associate with them in any way in particular. But a descriptor you know, allows you to keep everybody in check. And that's what the Bible does. Rahab the harlot. Oh yeah, now I know which Rahab you're talking about. If you just said Rahab, who remembers Rahab? Could be, you know, lots of Rahab. So you put a descriptor on her. It was okay in that generation. Now you can't do anything like that. You can't even think that or you're in trouble. But anyway, I'm just trying to show you the context of what's happening here. But she was saved. It says what she performed was an act of faith. This was an act of faith. Now, if we look in Hebrews chapter 11, the same chapter, let, let, let's look at, at, verse, at, at, at verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. How did men of old gain approval? By their faith. By their faith. What does this mean? Look in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So it is by faith that we understand this. It is by faith that I take the Bible and accept this as the word of God. It is by faith that I accept this as the word of God. God never came to me and held out a copy of the Bible with some hand coming down from heaven and said, this is the Bible, believe it. He could well have done that. It is by faith that I accept every word of this book as the Word of God. It is by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. So that whatever I want to believe, whether it's a young earth or an old earth, I believe the Word of God. My interpretation of the Word of God might be right, might be wrong. I may misinterpret it. You know, one young kid, he, he wrote to me once, he says, you know, uh, um, how could the earth be more than 7,000 years old? Isn't that violating what the Word of God is? I said, you know, it depends on whether my interpretation of the Scriptures is correct. Was the day a 24-hour day? There are many times in the Bible it says, today is the day of the Lord. Okay, that day was the day of the Lord, so no other day was the day of the Lord. Or did he mean that era when he said that day? And so... so my interpretation may be right or wrong, but the Word of God stands. So, so let's, let's look at, 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 uh, at, at, at one, one of Joshua's contemporaries, Moses. So let's look at verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's edict. What did the Pharaoh say? He says, every male child of Israel shall be thrown into the Nile shall be drowned in the Nile. And that's where you saw curse for curse in kind. Whatever you do to the offspring of Abraham will happen to you. 
Pharaoh cursed them and said, every one of your male children will be drowned. You kill my children, I'll kill yours, God says. And God slew the, 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 the firstborn male in every home in, in Egypt. He killed, uh, Pharaoh tried to kill them by drowning. God took the other males who were in the army. He killed them all by drowning when they tried to cross the Nile. The, the, the Red Sea, when he, they, they tried to cross the Red Sea. So you, you, you see that there was curse for curse in kind. Moses was not thrown in, into the Nile River because his parents, it says he was hidden. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden. The act of hiding Moses was an act of faith because they had to do something in opposition to the law of that land. <clears throat> when do we oppose the law of the land? Not when we don't want to pay taxes. You're going to go to jail for that. We... We, are, we have evidence of opposing the, the government of the land in three instances. One, to save human life. There are evidences of that in the Bible, both Old and New Testament. Here, this is one of them. To save you, human life, you can violate the laws of the land in order to save human life. The other one is in the preaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the Gospel. And the third one is in accepting the Gospel both preaching and accepting of the gospel. Those are the three instances where we are given commandment to have civil disobedience. Moses was hidden, was an act of faith, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. How could they not be afraid of Pharaoh's edict? They were slaves in Egypt because of faith. Faith will give you courage. There were no physical laws violated here of thermodynamics. But faith raised up their courage. This is most often what faith will give you. It will empower you to do the things that you will normally be afraid to do. When the challenges in life hit you, when you lose your home, when you lose your country, when you lose things around you, faith will cause you to stand. It is faith that causes a person to stand. He says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He could well have said, well, I'm Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, well, I'm Pharaoh's daughter's son. I'm Pharaoh's grandson. I'm just fine. Nobody's going to bother him. He could well have said that. But it says, by faith, he chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. Faith will cause you to stand for who you are, where you won't be ashamed to be a person of faith. See, well, in, in, in the academy, you know, Christians are viewed as stupid. Fine. Fine. View me as stupid. Would, would you like to go toe-to-toe with me and have a conversation about chemistry and then we'll see, you, see how you do? <laughs> faith causes us to stand when all others, when all others are not standing, he, he preferred to endure ill treatment because of an act of faith. Again, no physical laws were violated there, but it gave him courage. Faith will raise your courage. He says, he says, uh, 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 rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He could have had the treasures of Egypt as being the grandson of Pharaoh. But he chose, chose rather the reproach of Christ. That means the attack that would come for being a person of God. 
Uh, because why? Because he was looking to the reward. Your faith will cause you to look to God. Your faith will cause you to look to the reward. It is not just about this life. There is a life to come. And Moses was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. How could he not fear the wrath of the king? The huge Egyptian armies. All he had were a bunch of slaves, a bunch of... Uh, 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 Jews that had been enslaved for 400 years. And when you're a slave for 400 years, all the fight goes out of you. Slaves don't have a fight in them. God ended up wiping out that generation and raised up a wilderness generation that was quite able to fight. But you see that, that uh, uh, he, he was not afraid. He did not fear the wrath of the king because of faith. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Moses endured as seeing Him who is unseen. When you believe God, you see Him who is unseen. You do not see Him with your physical eyes. It is not the physical seeing of the eyes. It is you endure as seeing Him who is unseen. Faith raises your courage when you see Him who is unseen. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. He kept the Passover feast by faith. The sprinkling of the blood where the angel of death would not touch him. This is why we take the Lord's Supper. You say, this is kind of a, you know, isn't this kind of a silly little, little tradition? No, it's told to us in the Word of God. And if we don't do it, it says that we become weak and sick and a number sleep, meaning die. Die in faith, but die. You want sickness? You want weakness in your life? Refrain from taking the Lord's Supper. You want to be strong? You examine yourself. You examine the body rightly and you take the Lord's Supper. This is something we take by faith. It is by faith. When there's no faith in it, it's just a mindless, useless act. But when it is by faith that I... Think about the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It becomes an act of faith. It raises your courage. And the Bible even says it keeps you healthier. It says, by faith, in, in, in uh, verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. There is a violation of the laws of thermodynamics. The sea stacked up and they walked through and the wall of water was there and they just walked right through. By faith they passed through that. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. This is what faith does. It generally does not change the laws of thermodynamics. It can. But it generally raises your faith. It gives you strength. It raises your courage. This is what faith does. You look to Him who is unseen. When your world starts shaking around you, when you feel inadequate for the task, this is my life. I feel inadequate again and again for the task that God has for me. You get on your knees before God and you say, fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Do a work through me. Impact these people through me. Touch them through me. And then you watch God raise your faith. Then you watch God empower you. You will be empowered then when you take on faith. Most of the time, faith doesn't bring down the walls of Jericho. But what it does, it empowers you for that which is before you as it empowered Moses, for that which was before him as it empowered Rahab, for that which was before her to welcome the spies in peace. 
This is what faith does. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for the truth of Your Word. And I praise Your name, O Lord. I praise Your name, my Father. Lord, I ask for these young people that You empower them with faith that can only come by spending time with You. As they come before You, as they order their lives before You, Father, empower them through faith, I pray. May they endure as seeing Him who is unseen. Lord, I know many of the young people here are going through lots of struggles where their world is just being tossed around. Lord, may they endure as seeing Him who is unseen. Looking to the reward, Father, raise their faith, I pray. As they pick up the Word of God, empower them as they meditate on this Hebrews chapter 11. Father, empower them, I pray. Raise their faith. Lord, I pray for those here who do not know You. Lord, save their souls, I pray. May the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ draw them to repentance. And Lord, I thank You. And I offer this up to You. Lord Jesus, for Your glory. Amen.